This is Hitting the Mark. Conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Geierhalter. Never underestimate the impact of assurance. The impact of many people are also doing this. The impact of safety and numbers. And I think that leads you right to the brand question, because after all, what is brand? Brand is a promise. You know, brand is a, a, a question of reliability. It's, it's almost, a brand is almost always a promise about the future. In an unknown future, when you don't know what's coming next, the brand matters more. This was Eddie Hartman, who created LegalZoom 20 years ago with two friends, and he built it into the best-known legal brand in the United States. LegalZoom has over 4 million customers, and more than half of all Americans know the brand. I have been a customer for a mighty long time, and having this chat with Eddie was just incredibly stimulating and rewarding. We discuss how celebrity lawyer Robert Shapiro became the face of the company. We talk about the impact of assurance and how brand is the future promise about something you cannot guarantee today. How the word Zoom used to stand for legal Zoom before the pandemic hit. And Eddie shares tons of actionable brand advice for any entrepreneur, CEO, and CMO alike. But before we dive in, I'd like to take a second to thank the latest supporters of the show, Artem Shamsutino, who joined the Startup Entrepreneur Circle, and Jason Chan, who joined the Golden Circle. It is because of fine folks like them, even if I butcher the name, that you are enjoying hitting the mark advertising free. To thank them, I have monthly calls with them to provide mentorship and advice on their own entrepreneurial and creative journeys. To join us, head on over to patreon.com slash hitting the mark. And now, without further ado, over to my inspiring conversation with Eddie. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Thank you so much. Well, thrilled to have you here. I've, I've, I've been a customer of LegalZoom for, I don't know, I, I believe it must be 15 years or so by now, creating DBAs and trademarks and all of that good stuff one has to deal with as an entrepreneur. You created LegalZoom 20 years ago with two friends as a digital tech company that helps its customers create legal documents without necessarily having to hire a lawyer. And you built it into the best-known legal brand in the United States. Last year, one in four LLCs in California were started through LegalZoom. It might have been more by now. And you have over 4 million customers more than half of all Americans know the brand. How, how did it start? Take us back 20 years ago, um, you and two friends. Um, how, how did you come up with this quite revolutionary idea at that, at that point in time? What a great question. And I have to say, you know, when we began, we had no idea that we would be founding what I'm told is the oldest unicorn. Did you know that? Yes, I actually heard that. I heard that too. I, it's quite impressive. Eileen Lee at Cowboy Ventures coined the term unicorn. At the time, of course, it didn't exist. But can you imagine? LegalZoom is now the oldest unicorn. When we began it, we thought, 
it might top out at 60 million. That was our dream. You know, maybe, maybe my, my two friends were both lawyers and they had great jobs at great law firms. And Brian Lee uh, in particular, who went on to found uh, the honest company with Jessica Alba oh. and uh, shoe dazzle with Kim Kardashian. He said, you know, I didn't leave my job at a law firm, uh, at a very good law firm, uh, Skadden Arps, to uh, become a uh, an employee of a small company that I started. I left to become the the founder of a large company. For but for us, large was maybe sixty million at max. Mm. Brian used to uh, show us with his hand where he thought maybe one day the stack of outgoing LLC packages might reach because <laughs> this was the most important thing to us. And I think any entrepreneur can relate, you know, the big sale, the big purchase, the biggest ticket item that we sold was a gold incorporation or LLC package. And it went in a special FedEx box, a, a flattish box, not a, not a big carton, but a, a box that maybe was an inch and a half, two inches high. And we would ship them out, you know, they'd sit on the front desk and we'd look at that stack of boxes and it was the measure of our success. And Brian once in the early days put his hand on top of that box and he said, Eddie, someday this stack is going to be up to here. <laughs> and, you know, by his chin. I want to let you know, we now have a separate dedicated facility. Of course. Just handle those. Yeah. It grew from a stack into the back uh, warehouse, sort of a back uh, bay of the building because we would have to have a truck come up and take all the packages. And finally, it, it outgrew that and we had to, you know, we now own a separate facility just to handle all those packages. And it's been extraordinarily rewarding to see the, the growth, which really means the acceptance, how many people see value in what LegalZoom brings to their lives. How many people are, you know, find that their opportunities are unlocked by what LegalZoom gives them? I, you know, we had a really great guy, Daniel Kent, came to work for us for a few years. He's now a Berkeley PhD, but at the time he did a study and he found that LegalZoom had started more than one in six charities in the United States, oh, wow. which is amazing. Yeah, you don't, you don't start a business thinking that, oh, we're also going to have an enormous charitable impact. But there we were looking at the numbers, one in six, more than one in six American charities were started. And my partner said to me, you know, this is a great number. This is a really amazing thing. We should let people know this number. I said, yeah, you know, that is great. But here's a bigger question that we'll never really be able to answer. How many of those charities never would have started? Mm -hmm. if it weren't for an easy way to get a 501c3, that is to say tax-exempt designation. How many, how many charities are never started is maybe the better question. How many businesses are never started? How many families go unprotected because the benefits of the law are out of reach? Yeah. And, and reach doesn't necessarily mean too expensive. It may simply be too complex or too time consuming. These are, you know, we're in a democracy, the benefits of the law, that's supposed to be our birthright. Yeah. But if, if it's if it's too cumbersome, 
again, which might be inconvenient or complex, but it also might be too expensive, something we we can't afford, uh, inaccessible in one way or another. We are cheated in a way. You know, we're cheated of our birthright. We're cheated of the the basic promise that we're supposed to have as participants in a democracy that we have equal protection, that we have equal access, that we have equal benefit. Uh, and so when I when I think about those charities that were never started, or those businesses that were never launched, or those families that you know are unprotected, I think this is a you know, this 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 is a, a crisis. This is a plague. This is something that you know could be corrected. Uh, but we need you know we need more. There need to be more legal zooms. Legal zoom is just one player. And even though we're very proud of what it's done, when you think about the latent legal market, the the millions of unlaunched ships that's that's honestly what what keeps me up at night well a couple of questions about this um this this was this was extremely interesting and on the legal zoom side um the brand states quote unquote we are not going to rest until everyone has access to legal care and and Based on what you just said, it it almost sounds like like a, a not for profit organization's manifesto, right? Like a rallying cry. Um, how does how does LegalZoom push towards that? And 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 do you also have a non profit arm as part of it, or do you just do you just um, organize in a way and 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 run the business in a way where you feel like you want to empower as many as possible, and hence there doesn't need to be a non profit part of it. Well, I believe deeply that the oxygen, um, the, the, the blood that pumps through a company's veins is the, you know, the profit that it generates. Uh, without that, of course, you can't pay people, but more importantly, you can't innovate. Uh, you can't get the word out. So, you know, I, I think, in fact, the mark of value, and in my new role, you know, I'm now a partner at Simon Kucher, and I'm very, frankly, honored and, and grateful for my my role there. It's an amazing organization. But one of the things that we have as a mantra, if you think about it this way, if I ask you, how do you measure value? You might say, well, you know, I, I, th I think about what a thing is worth. Well, okay, sure. But how can you put a number on it? I would argue that the best way to measure value is to ask, what would you pay for it? And if you could stack up, you know, dollars or, you know, coins, whatever it might be, and measure that stack, you know, just like Brian used to measure that stack of, of gold LLC packages. <laughs> that's a measure of value right there. You know, that we, we don't have a, a yardstick. We don't have a, we, we can't, we can't measure it in gallons or something or miles. We we need a different way to measure it. And I, I would argue that the money that you exchange is a great proxy for value. So when we think about LegalZoom, it's a mission-driven company that makes a profit. It makes a profit because it delivers value. Without the profit, it would not be able to pursue its mission. Mm -hmm. That really is how I see it. The, the test of LegalZoom as an organization, really any organization, is are you providing sufficient value? that you can continue to provide value and expand the value you provide. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, love this. Listen, you know, like going back to the founder story, just for, 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 for one more second there, because I, I'm sure everyone, everyone is asking themselves the same question. 
When you were eliminating the need for small businesses in the very beginning, right? And I mean, continuously so, but in the beginning to, to hire a lawyer, right? That was a tremendously disruptive thought. It, it, was, it was you literally fighting the good fight, um, so to speak. And, and how, how, I mean, how was that uphill battle until you were you know, legally ready to offer your services? And I'm, I'm, I'm almost you know, sure that there must have been lawsuits by law firms or industry groups early on to try to stop you from what you were about to do, because it was obviously harming their tra trajectory. I love this question. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if you ever had a time of your life, probably in your mid-20s, when it felt like every weekend was taken up with a friend's wedding over the summer. You know, it's, it's a time of life when everyone's getting married all, all at once, and then when the, when the weather's turning nice, you know, May, June, July, suddenly every single weekend you are going to a wedding. Uh, that was me for a period of time, except instead of weddings, I was going to depositions. I was the most, <laughs> the most heavily deposed person, I think, that I've ever met. I think no one, no one, I, I've never encountered anyone that's been deposed as often as I have. And I think it stems from a misunderstanding. The misunderstanding is that LegalZoom uh, somehow does not want people to uh, speak to lawyers or hire lawyers, which is, a, it's a, almost baffling to me at this point. LegalZoom has many lawyers that it either has, you know, uh, as employees or works with. We work with, you know, a network of law firms. We pass more, I, I would guess, although I don't know any numbers about this, but I, I would guess that we pass more people to consult with lawyers than any other single organization in the world. We love businesses hiring lawyers and using lawyers appropriately. I think all we tried to do was say that there's some things where if you choose to, you don't need a lawyer. So when you form your LLC, you can use LegalZoom to get that done if you choose. Uh, and a lawyer doesn't need to be involved, which may make it more affordable for you or make it more in your control. Some people really like the, the feeling of power, of control. I've done this for myself. However, I would say that LegalZoom really tries to make sure that anyone who starts a company or, frankly, forms a will or anything else through, through, through LegalZoom then speaks with a lawyer. And in fact, we took advantage of something that was, uh, I think, less well-known, which is a prepaid legal insurance, well, not insurance, prepaid legal plan. Uh, these were plans established in the 1970s by unions. Hmm. Unions wanted their uh, members to have access to good legal counsel, but it's hard to afford, especially, you know, uh, if, well, for a lot of people, very difficult to afford. So they created these special plans, which were approved by uh, authorities in every state. And as a union member, you could buy into a prepaid plan and then have access to a, a lawyer's counsel. LegalZoom followed in that model and created... Yeah, yeah. So honestly, and the thing I think also that you should know is that I am a lawyer uh, and I, I became a lawyer while at LegalZoom. Uh, I, I never went to law school, though. <laughs> I actually I taught very briefly at Yale Law and I taught briefly at Stanford Law. Uh, and I had to say, tell my class that, you know, <laughs> you know, it was my first time at a law school. Um, I became a lawyer by <laughs> sitting for the bar after doing uh, an apprenticeship. So I, I never went to law school, but I did become a lawyer. 
because I believe so deeply in the importance and really the, the primacy, the primacy of lawyers. I actually named my firstborn son, my, my sweet little boy, Darrow, after Clarence Darrow, you know, the lawyer that famously gave up his high paying job for the railroads and started fighting for the common man. That, I, I believe that lawyers are some of the, some of the most civic minded, good hearted uh, and, and intelligent and often brave people among us. But unfortunately, I think the legal system that they find themselves employed by often betrays them. You know, they have this idea that they're going to be able to fight for right and go to court and, you know, defend uh, uh, justice. And what they get instead is a mind numbing, uh, soul crushing job. Yep. Where they're required to, at the end of the day, measure out their worth in six minute increments. Because that's that's what a law firm lawyer does. They have to mark down their time in six minute increments and justify what they did. It's a it's a it's a crazy system. So what did LegalZoom do in the early days? I think we stepped into a crazy imbalanced system where most people felt that the benefits of the law were beyond their reach, were too cumbersome, and hopefully created an alternative where we still do try to connect people with lawyers. But perhaps in a in a healthier uh, and more effective structure, you know, I think that's that was the big change. I mean, it was extremely liberating. I mean, even for myself, right, being an entrepreneur and having started mm. my companies and you know going through LegalZoom. I mean, it's it's been it's been I don't know how many interactions I had with LegalZoom, uh, you know, over the years. And and for me, I'm kind of the generation where I was born into it, right? When 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 you no. came when LegalZoom came out 20 years ago, you know, that's about when I got really serious about you know doing doing the legal portion of my business before I was just running a business, <laughs> you know. So, um, but but let's talk a little bit more. But but lawyers and 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 you know what 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 you just what you just said about how lawyers are being seen and and, and the reality of it, um, influencer marketing is huge today, right? But it, but it really has been for decades, just under different names. The idea of affiliating a brand with an influential person from within their segment has its benefits mm -hmm. and it has mm -hmm. its risks, and you might know where I'm heading with this. It seems like you guys were living that story, having celebrity lawyer Robert Shapiro, right, um, as, as, as your co-founder, who, for those of you who are not in L.A. or maybe not even in the U.S., um, Robert Shapiro was, um, you know, infamous for, for successfully defending O.J. Simpson back in 1995. But he was he was a co-founder. How did this come about? And I think you already you already talked a little bit about about you know a shift in 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 how lawyers how lawyers pursue their career. How did it come about? Um, and did it have the desired effect on the brand? And how did you guys all 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 work together? Well, I'll I'll say two things. Uh, the first of which is anyone who and I I mean this in the best spirit. Anyone who has anything bad to say about Bob Shapiro is going to have to do a fist fight with me. I, I love that man. He is uh, one of the most, I, I'd say in some ways, he um, he's one of the kindest people in the world. And uh, he's been through personal tragedy that people don't understand. Uh, his and, and I won't belabor it, but he his son, Brent, his, his, his two, well, he had, I should say, two sons. And his older son, Brent, was my employee uh, when he tragically uh, died at age 23. And people, I think, don't they don't realize Bob Shapiro has been through, a, a, you know, in his long career, 
He has done so many things, so many things. We defend, you know, major, major lawsuits, major, major actions, huge clients, vast, uh, you know, things settled. And yet, of course, what he is best known for is yep. a moment in the 90s. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I, I actually was off the grid when that was happening. I was um, living in Montana. I didn't catch the whole OJ thing. Good I timing. <laughs> I, I found out about it afterward, but I will say, um, you know, of course, the the notoriety of that case, and I think we can say notoriety here, yeah. uh, made Bob famous, and his fame helped us in more than one way. Obviously, you know, it brought attention to LegalZoom, which was great. Uh, I was once asked on a plane, uh, you know, you're always asked on a plane, what do you do? <laughs> and I explained, you know, oh, yes, uh, started this company and we help. And so, oh, what does the company do? And I said, oh, well, you know, it helps you. You can use it to form a will or an incorporation or, you know, trademark or patent. And she said, oh, uh, wow, you must get a lot of a lot of competition from Robert Shapiro's company. Oh, no, I don't think so. Okay, uh, but yeah, the the so but the other thing that it brought us was you know because of his fame, Bob had a lot of business experience that we lacked. So he had been involved with Wolfgang Puck, uh, you know, early in the day, who you know became uh, so famous. So uh, the, you know, the founder of Spago and and a chain of other restaurants. So Bob brought a lot of business acumen, and he had the business acumen because the O.J. Simpson case had propelled him to fame. That's definitely true. Definitely true. Um, but, you know, I, I would say the um, the other thing ab ab about the relationship uh, is that it's, it brought us knowledge on so many different levels than just his, you know, just his celebrity. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll, I, I want to tell you one more fun fact. Uh, my, my dear partner, Brian Lee, uh, was the one who brokered the introduction to Robert Shapiro. And at the time, he really was Robert Shapiro. You know, he's this famous lawyer that we'd never met. His office is at the top of, if you like the movie Die Hard, <laughs> in Nakatoma, Nakatoma Plaza, that where the, the action takes place, his actual office was in that building <laughs> way up the and so we go to meet him, and he's very intimidating. You know, very huge office, right. beautiful. Barely looks up. We're, you know, we're doing our song and dance. He told us we had five minutes. We've taken much longer. And he's, you know, he's not really paying attention to us. And finally, he says, you know, because of, uh, because of my fame, a lot of people come to me. And they've got you know, this business idea or that business idea. And I'm thinking, okay, so the answer is no. Will this guy just hurry up and say no? But to my surprise, he doesn't say no. He says... If this is such a good idea that I want to be part of this. I don't just want to be an, an investor. I don't just want to put my name on this. I want to be part of this. And he literally meant something like chief of marketing. He wanted to be that involved. And I called my mom and I said, mom, you're never going to believe this. Robert Shapiro is joining LegalZoom. <laughs> and she said, my dentist? <laughs> Oh, that that is hilarious. Yeah. So not everything, Bob. I mean, people think about you know his celebrity, his celebrity, celebrity, and that's true, and it was very helpful. But I think what was even more helpful 
was that we had this incredibly knowledgeable lawyer yeah. with great business skills who was part of our team. That is a fantastic story. Uh, thank, thank you for sharing this. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's, that's great. Uh, so a company in the, you know, so you're in the legal business um, and, and you know, in the business of trademarks. Well, not you, but LegalZoom. Um, sure. And this being a branding podcast, I have to ask this question. Um, sure. LegalZoom launched officially in 2001, so, so 10 years prior to Zoom. But <laughs> does, does, does Zoom own their name to you to a certain degree? I know there was this time where, 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 where that, that idea of Zoom was kind of like, you know, like an internet thing. But is it bizarre for you that 2020, you know, like all this time later, um, turned into a year where the word Zoom became the thing and legal Zoom owned it first? <laughs> you know, it's such a funny question. Uh, so just a, a small correction. Yeah, we 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 were technically uh, the LLC was created. So the the incorporation was created in '99. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did a soft launch. We made our first sale in the last quarter of 2000. But yes, of course, our big launch to the public 2001. Very true. And for 10 years, if you said Zoom, you you probably meant Legal Zoom, right. uh, a competitor of ours to tweak us. Uh, had signs put up around his office that said, we believe in legal grooming, not legal Zooming. So, <laughs> yeah, the word, the word Zoom, it's a funny word. Uh, and and for a long time, it was ours. And now you may have, yes, you may have heard of this uh, small company uh, called Zoom. I do remember meeting them at a conference because lawyers were one of the early uh, adopters of Zoom. And I walked up and I said, hopefully they found it funny. I said, I won't sue you, you know, uh, that, that they are Zoom and we're legal Zoom. But yeah, I, uh, a friend recently posted to an entrepreneurial group that I'm part of, uh, hey, can anyone connect me with Zoom? And I was about to write back, sure. And then I realized he did not <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just I just thought it was interesting, right? Because here we're zooming around all day, and you know, I've been using legal zoom for all the time. But um, um, listen, listen, at some at some point, um, legal zoom, and I just really realized this um, prepping for for our for our chat here. At some point, legal zoom moved past business customers and started offering services really to anyone, so from wills and trusts to to divorces. How does a brand known for entrepreneurship and business move its perception to become a bit more of a generalist or was a shift in, in brand story and marketing not even necessary since you already had this huge amount of business customers who were just happy to start using your other services, hence spreading the word organically, you know, without even diluting your brand? What a great question. It was a long uh, one. <laughs> I really understand. So the first product set that we launched was uh, incorporations, LLCs, last will and testament, copyright. I, I want to say copyright and trademark were part of the first brand, first tranche, but I'm, I'm actually not 100% sure. We also considered restraining orders, but we understood after a while that that was a business that was better occupied by the um, by you know, municipal and state authorities. Uh, we also had divorce early on, although we found that Divorce is quite a difficult product to fulfill. Um, however, that was the initial product set. So we, we always, yeah, we always had uh, wills in there. Oh, you know, and trusts were in there as well in the early. Oh, 
and living will. That's right. Living will was there as part of the early batch. So for people who don't know, there's a medical power of attorney uh, living will, which is a document that, as the name implies, covers you when you're alive, but maybe incapacitated versus a last will, which in the UK, they would just refer to as a will uh, and testament, which happens you know, to cover you after you die, right? So two different documents. But I, I say this to say, you know, it's, we, we, we found that there was so little crossover between product categories. A person who came to know us for an incorporation would not have uh, any inclination to use us for a will. A person who came to us for a will would not have a natural inclination to use us for a trademark, which is interesting if you How think about it. How interesting, yeah. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't you expect there to be crossover? We, um, once did a program where we gave people fifty dollars, uh, or later a, an opportunity to enter into a drawing, to potentially go to a, you know week long vacation to Hawaii, if they would refer us to a friend or family member, and we got very little uptake. And when I called around to some of these people to say, hey, you 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 obviously love Legal Zoom, you gave it incredibly high marks uh, all around, but then you didn't refer us to anyone. Why is that? I would get responses like this. I don't know anyone else who is going through a divorce. Hmm. I don't know anyone else who's getting a trademark. Hmm. I don't and, and you know, when you ask them, well, did you know that LegalZoom does all these other things? They would respond, wow, no, I, you know, I really didn't. Yeah. And so we would promote in the in the in the in the email itself, we would say popular services from LegalZoom. We created the idea of like, what are the top 10 services from LegalZoom? What are the most popular uses of LegalZoom? What are people using LegalZoom for? And we would say, oh, you know, we, obviously these were factual, but we would say, oh, number one is, you know, setting up LLCs. And number two is, let's say, registering a trademark. And number three is, you know, filing for an uncontested divorce. Now, if people decided upon seeing that list, hey, you know what? I have been thinking I ought to divorce my wife. Now that I see <laughs> go ahead and do it. <laughs> what a great, what, what an impulse buy. <laughs> what an impulse buy, right? You know, hey, you know what? I should, I should get a, a, a I should get a patent. Good job. You know, hopefully that didn't really motivate behavior. Yeah. And yet it was a, a blockbuster move in terms of generating sales. So if you'd stop to think about it and said, well, why, why, why would you ever show people what the top products are? If a person's going to get divorced, they're going to get divorced. If a person is going to declare bankruptcy or start a business or something, that, that's a big decision. They've already made it. Never underestimate the impact of assurance, the impact of many people are also doing this, the impact of safety and numbers and i think that leads you right to the brand question because after all what is brand brand is a promise you know brand is a a, a question of reliability it's it's almost a brand is almost always a promise about the future in an unknown future when you don't know what's coming next the brand matters more you know, if you're going to pop a, a, a pharmaceutical into your mouth, you know, you're going to take a, a pill. Uh, if you were going to uh, sign up with an insurance company, if you were going to have someone do a legal you know, service for you, you have no idea what the future reliability is going to be. And so the brand has to stand in. 
And would, I mean, ask yourself, would you ever take an ass, you know, uh, uh, put something, put a drug in your body from a source you'd never heard of? Of course not. You know, of course, certainly you wouldn't give it to your children. Uh, well, why? Because brand matters so much. It's, it's the future promise of something that you cannot guarantee today. Very, very well said. Um, you know, I, I, I know that um, you you and I both um, are mentors at the Founder Institute, or, or you have been and you are on and off. Um, sure. I found out because I read your bio and you're a global 40 mentor and I'm a global 100 mentor. So I thought I was special until I met you. Now I'm not anymore. Thank you for that. But when you talk to, when you talk to entrepreneurs about branding, um, what, what, what do you tell, what do you tell a startup? Like how important do you, I mean, you've been going through, so, so you're a partner at Simon Kucher, um, which is a strategy and marketing consultancy. You, you have started and operated multiple companies with a, with a, total valuation in excess of, I don't know, $3 billion, right? So you have, you have seen it all when it comes to brands, but how do you advise startup founders and, and entrepreneurs? Like, what do you tell them about the importance of, of branding to them at that point in time? Well, for the more hard-nosed listener, I would point out that brand has a tangible value. So if you are uh, whether whether you're thinking about valuation, there's a concept goodwill, which is essentially brand equity. So it, it attributes to your enterprise value. Uh, another way to look at it, though, is we've run tests on buying the very same batch of Google keywords uh, for a generic website that has a you know has a name, of course, and has a you know you know design scheme and everything, but with a brand no one's ever heard of, versus the LegalZoom brand. And I can tell you that the LegalZoom brand is much more effective in converting and generating revenue. So brand is very powerful uh, and quantifiable in terms of the impact that it gives you. You really need to take it quite seriously. But then the, the next question is, well, what should your brand state? If, as I say, brand is a problem. I saw a great definition of, a, of brand when I was in business school at Wharton. Uh, it said that brand motivates irrational behavior hmm. and if it motivates in other words if a promise motivates rational behavior then that's not brand if i tell you that well this vehicle gets a certain number of miles per gallon and that's why you should buy it or if i say you know this copper has a certain purity per per kilo of weight uh, that's not you know th those are statements but they're not brand statements like you know that that that's literally a, a a value statement that's merely attributable to an attribute of what's being sold. If I tell you on the other hand that, you know, kids love Oreos. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's a, a promise that you can't tie to something rational. It's not a rational criteria. It's, you know, it's appealing to an irrational side. I mean, why do we love Oreos and hate Hydrox? Hydrox was first. Do you know that? <laughs> Oreo is a copy of a Hydrox. I mean, okay, please don't sue me in saying so, but you know, the, certainly if you look at them side by side in a store, you might be tempted to conclude, and I certainly would, that an Oreo is a copy of a Hydrox, but Oreo dominated the brand. They stand for something. They stand for comfort. They stand for, you know, snowy days with a glass of milk and an Oreo cookie, and we all love them. Um, but, but if you look at the list of ingredients, they're no different than a Hydrox. Interesting. Yeah. They built their brand. Yeah. Yeah. They were buying from a rational basis. 
and the Hydrox were cheaper, you should surely reach for the Hydrox, but people don't. They reach for the Oreo. And companies, not just in consumer, but in business to business, also understand that brand promise really means something. You know, I think it's probably a bit more rational in a business context. When you, you know, when they, there's the old saying, no one ever got fired for going with IBM. <laughs> well, well, that changed. <laughs> okay, this has changed. But what, but what are we saying when we make statements like that? What we're yeah. saying is that the brand adds something to the value equation of a current purchase because it makes a promise about the future. This will be reliable. We are a organization that stands behind the offer that we're making brand should should convey a penumbra you know an uh, a halo effect beyond the the specific product that you sell it should augment and extend beyond selecting the words to use for brand then become very important and honestly here's where you can use some some fairly standard methodology so you can ask your customers or prospects say listen I want you to tell me of, you know, eight, you come up with somewhere between eight and 12 attributes and you say, listen, I want you to tell me of these eight to 12 attributes, uh, which are the ones that are the most important to you, rate them and then say, okay, same set of attributes. How do we rate versus competitors? And then plot this on a grid and you'll see a pattern emerge and the pattern will tell you, this is where your brand can reach and this is where your brand cannot reach where you are strong and the, the, the attribute matters, that's where your brand thrives. Where the attribute matters and you're not strong, those are areas that you have to avoid. And if you can find that map in that map, a story, then that can be the through line for your brand. Listen, you know, LegalZoom is never going to be able to say something like, um, you know, we, we have lawyers that, uh, you know, will grind themselves to the bone working around the clock. And our brand name is feared in courtrooms across America, the way that, uh, <laughs> you know, the way the way that a, a major law firm could, you know, but yeah. what Eaglesham can say is simplicity, ease of use, convenience, right? Yeah, yeah, no, you, you, you're going, you're going right into into one of my final questions on every one of my shows. Um, so, so now that we talk about brand words and and what you what you just explained is really fantastic um, for for anyone, not just entrepreneurs, right? Um, you know, I mean, even someone who's 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 a CMO, right, to revisit their brand and it's basically it's basically a brand SWOT analysis, right? Like using 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 emotions, you know, versus you know rational thinking. Um, mm -hmm. so, so when you if you could take the legal zoom uh, brand, and I gave you no warning of this question, so um, <laughs> let, let's just see where this takes us. If you would take the legal zoom brand, and you would have, you would you would put it through a funnel, and at the end, there's really one word or two words that 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 you feel like your brand really you know captures and can own. Um, you know, when you think about Sappos, it's not it's not you know D 2 C shoe sales, right? And it's not ecom. It's it's customer service. It's delivering wow. It's you know it's it, that's what they're about. Um, if you think about Evelyn, it's transparency. And I always love to when I work with clients at the end of at the end of my workshops, I like to say, okay, let's everything we've just done for the last God knows four or eight hours. 
let's let's can we can we distill it into one word that that everyone in the company can say this is what we stand for i i just assume that accessibility must be very near the top of the list for for legal zoom but but what comes to mind as like that one word that you feel like legal zoom could actually own what a fantastic question uh and and you'll you'll also please uh permit me if i'd like to make a small detour after i've answered to sort of show you the power of this uh, this very question, frankly, in many walks of life, but with legalism specifically, I think the phrase that the phrase that really captured us was one that my dear friend and and partner Brian Liu. So you said it was three of us. It was it was me, Brian Liu, and Brian Lee uh, came up with, which was hassle free. And mm. studies have shown that, that was the that was the issue that was stopping so many people from accessing the benefits of the law was. It wasn't hassle-free. Yes, it was expensive, but it was also seemed so complex, so daunting. And Brian would say, hassle-free. Ah, yeah, that's what people want. They want a hassle-free legal experience. Absolutely. I will say, though, you know, we've gone through many phases. We said that LegalZoom's mission is to, to democratize the law. I believe in that. I really do. Mm -hmm. But I think that may be a little too highfalutin for many people. Uh, it's reaching a bit too, you know, it's a bit too... Um, uh, academic, I think, you know, it's great when I am talking to my friends who are legal academic, you know, in, in, in a uh, sort of a academic setting about what's the importance of legal zoom. We want to democratize the law. Sure. But I think for most people, the personal benefit was once hassle free, but I'll tell you what I hope it becomes empowerment. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you're in the sound of my voice, well, if you live in America anyway, or the UK, uh, you are supposed to have the benefits of the law as part of your, your right to exist. And you don't have them. You don't. A wealthy person has a lawyer that they can turn to. You know, she can turn to her lawyer. Her lawyer will do uh, onerous work on her behalf or potentially a law firm will do onerous work. That's a tremendous amount of power. Mm -hmm. that you don't have, but you ought to. You ought to have equal benefits under the law, and you don't. Hopefully, what LegalZoom stands for in the future is empowerment, connecting you back to the benefits that you have been, I would say, unfairly denied access to. Absolutely. Look, I, I had, I had, I mean, there are so many, you know, Gen Z and millennial born brands that are all about democratizing this, democratizing that. And there's, you know, like every, every yes, fifth of my guests. Democratizing juice. Exactly. <laughs> no need that. Well, and, and I mean, you know, coming, but, but coming from you, you know, I, after these 20 years of, of, of you know, of, of having LegalZoom out in the wild, um, the word empowerment, and I'm sure my listeners can agree with that, the way that you said it, and in the context of LegalZoom, how much, how much, how much more, well, pun intended, how much more powerful that actually is to own for an organization like yours than, you know, for an organization, you know, like many others that just want to empower their customers. But that being said, it is also wonderful how many brands say that that's what they stand for because it shows mm. the idea of customer first and it shows the idea of we're with you, right? And, it, and there is kind of like this nice shift, um, in, in brands and in, in brand thinking over the last 10, 15 years, which which I really, I mean, that, that provides me so much joy, right? That everything yeah. is becoming more purposeful, right? 
Absolutely. I, I had a client recently in the cybersecurity space and I did this exact study and I, I did the exact graphing technique that I just said, you know, hopefully your listeners will do themselves. Uh, and I said, well, the one thing that people don't care about is security. And they said, you, you have really messed this up, Mr. Hartman. <laughs> you know, there's a cybersecurity firm. Well, when we showed them the comments, though, it became immediately clear that people assume a cybersecurity company is secure. Yeah. That's not what they're buying on. It's in the name. Buying, exactly. exactly. They're buying on the other attributes, things like ease of use, simplicity. So for LegalZoom, you could imagine that people might say, oh, well, the brand should be that, you know, what do you provide? Quality legal. Well, no, people assume that we have quality legal. If you listen closely to your customers, what are they really asking for? And that should be the underpinning of your brand. In LegalZoom's case, it was hassle-free. In the future, hopefully it's, it gives me the power I always should have had, but was wrongfully blocked from my grasp. That's what LegalZoom ought to be in the future, if you ask me. And then we got cut short because time flies when you're having what I believe was a great conversation. A quick shout out to Patrick Lee, co-founder of Rotten Tomatoes, who I had on episode 55 of the show and who was kind enough to make the introduction to Eddie. As they say, one thing leads to another. And you know what else has that effect? If you rate the show wherever you listen to it, the more ratings, the more people will find these unique insights from today's most mesmerizing founders on achieving and instilling brand clarity. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy, Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. The episode was edited, as usual, by Everett Barton. And the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time, when we once again will be hitting the mark.